0: Imagine with me, if you will, that we have just received word that we're going to have a very special guest with us today here at Blackman Baptist Church. The President of the United States is in the hospital, so it's not him. The First Lady has also been diagnosed with COVID-19, so it's not her either, and they are in our prayers But let's just say for imagination's sake that the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, and his wife, Karen, have decided to worship with us here today. Can you imagine? Some of you are looking towards that back door. What's going through your mind right now? Some of you are thinking, "Uh, I probably should have worn something else. I'm not dressed up enough to meet him. Others of you are thinking something much more important, and that is, I wonder what's for lunch. (laughs) And are we going to have to feed them too? And if we are going to feed them, what are we going to feed them? Still others of you are thinking logistically, where are they going to park all those cars? And what about the Secret Service guys? Where where are we going to seat them? You know, we've never celebrated Palm Sunday in October we normally celebrate palm sunday the week before easter because that's when it comes in the church calendar and it's unusual for us to think about it separately from easter we would normally do this just in the easter season but and as christians we should always be thinking about easter of course the most important day in the history of the world but Today, we're going to think about the Sunday that preceded Easter, the Sunday before. Because one Sunday, 2,000 years ago, a very special guest came to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we lift our hearts to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would see us as we are, because we know you do. And we humbly ask, Lord, that you would forgive us our sins. We know, Lord, that You heard us confess our sins, and we know, Lord, that You heard us confess our faith. We believe in You. We trust in You and You alone. And today we think about that day, Jesus, when You came into Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. to shouts of the children singing Hosanna and praises from all the people. And we think on that day, and we look forward to the day when You will return. In Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. The next day when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet Him. They kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. This is the word of the Lord. So just for curiosity's sake, do any of you know Mike Pence? Any, anybody? Anybody? Anybody even met Mike Pence? No? No? You know, it's one thing to welcome someone important into your fellowship, your congregation, or into your home. It's quite another to welcome someone that you know. And when when Jesus entered Jerusalem that day, some 2,000 years ago, there were people there who did know Him, and they knew Him quite well. And so as we think back... On that day, that Sunday, some 2,000 years ago, let's focus on three important parts of that day. Let's look at the prophecy, let's look at the person, and then let's look at the promise. First, let's look at the prophecy. Do you know that the events of Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, did you know that the people of Jerusalem had been told that Jesus was coming? They had been told 550 years before. God in His grace smiled on His people and smiled on us and told them and us that Jesus would be coming. And He told them what He would be writing. And they told told them the manner in which He would approach Jerusalem. He chose to notify His people 550 years before Palm Sunday that the king would indeed return to Jerusalem. He told the prophet Zechariah, and this is what Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Since only God is omniscient and he alone is what will happen next, much less what will happen tomorrow. We should be extremely careful when we prophesy about the future. Better yet, let's just leave the prophecy and the predictions to God. Because history is littered with the wreckage of man-made prophecies that were completely and totally wrong. Speaking of vice presidents, ever heard of John Adams? Well, Eli has. John Adams was one of the most influential men in the 18th century. John Adams was our first vice president. It must be Vice President today, today too, as well. Eventually, John Adams became our second president. You could say that John, Adab- John Adams was our first, second, and our second first. Think about that for a minute. Hey, that'd be a good re- riddle for you there, Eli. Who was our first, second, and our second first? But some 20 years before John Adams became president of the United States, in the midst of the Revolutionary War, right after the signers had come together to sign, those 56 men came together to sign the Declaration of Independence, John Adams made a prediction. And he wrote it down in a letter to his beloved wife, Abigail. You know what the prediction was? Well, here, let me read it. This is what he said. The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. The second day of July. What's wrong with this picture? We don't celebrate our independence on the second day of July. We celebrate on July 4th. Even a simple little man-made prophecy by one of the most important signers of the Declaration... It just shows us how silly it is for us to try to predict the the future. Ever heard of Sigmund Freud? He was one of the most influential men in the last century. We found this quote in the Daily Bread, and I quote, For all his education, Austrian-born psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud could not predict how history was going to unfold. When communist revolutionaries were laying the foundation of Soviet tyranny on the corpses of their own countrymen. This is what he wrote. At a time when great nations are declaring that they expect to find their salvation solely from a steadfast adherence to a Christian piety, the upheaval in Russia seems to promise a better future. How mistaken that godless man was. Freud's failure to produce predict the future stands in stark contrast to the hundreds of fulfilled prophecies of the Bible. People may make educated guess, but only God knows the future. History is littered with the wreckage of man-made prophecies that were completely and totally wrong. And since only God is omniscient and He alone knows what will happen next week, much less what will happen tomorrow, we should be extremely careful when we prophesy about the future. So let's, we've looked at the prophecy. Let's look at the person. This is what Pastor Mark Dever said, this about Jesus Christ, and I quote, in no other manner are the differences between Muslims and Christians more sharply contrasted than in the differences between the character and legacy of the prophets. Perhaps the contrast is best symbolized by the way Muhammad entered Mecca as Opposed to how Jesus entered Jerusalem. Muhammad rode into Mecca on a war horse, surrounded by 400 mounted men and 10,000 foot soldiers. Those who greeted him were absorbed into his movement. Those who resi- resisted him were vanquished, killed, or enslaved. Muhammad did conquer Mecca. And if you go to Istanbul, you can actually see the purported sword that he carried that day. Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey accompanied by 12 disciples. He was welcomed and greeted by people waving palm fronds, a traditional sign of peace. But Jesus wept over Jerusalem because the Jews mistook Him for an earthly king who was to free them from the yoke of Rome. Whereas Jesus came to establish a much different kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. And Jesus came by invitation and not by force. Who is this King of glory? The great prophet and King of Israel, David. David of Bethlehem. David of Jerusalem. David who conquered Jerusalem. In the 24th Psalm, David asked this question. Who is this King of glory? Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Rise up, ancient doors, for the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Rise up, ancient doors, then the King of glory will come in. And so we echo David. And we ask the very same question, the question for the ages. Who is this King of glory? Who is this Jesus? How do you describe the indescribable? How do you explain the lowly Jesus to a world thirsty for a superman to solve all their problems? How do you share the love of Jesus with the world that has lost its hope and has no one to trust? He is indescribable. He is the ultimate problem solver. He is the hope of the world. Trust in Him. Listen to how Jesus describes Himself And listen to His invitation to you. Yes, an invitation to you. Jesus says this to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We've seen the prophecy. We've seen the person who fulfilled the prophecy. Now let's look at the promise. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus told his disciples, on the night of the Lord's Supper, on the night that we sometimes refer to as the Last Supper, on a night that was the Passover, on the night that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, on the night he was betrayed, on the night he was arrested, on that very night, the same night, when all these things were about to happen, Jesus told his His disciples this. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also You know the way to where I'm going. What words of comfort? Jesus promises us. Jesus promised you that He's going to come back so that where He is, we can be also. That's the promise. We get confused. We're like Thomas. Jesus said, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, "Uh, Lord... We don't know. We don't know the way. Help us out here. And Jesus, after three years of trying to get it through their thick heads, not that we're any better than the disciples, not that we're any smarter than the disciples, not that we would have gotten it either, but Jesus said to Thomas these beautiful words. He said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You don't need a direction map. You just need the man who wrote the map. The prophecy was that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The person is Jesus Christ Himself, the Lord of glory. And the promise is that Jesus is coming back. If you know Him, if you know Jesus, then His second coming will be a great time of rejoicing and excitement Some of you were really excited to think that just the possibility that Vice President Pence would be with us this morning. But you know, none of us really know him. Think what it will be like to celebrate the one we do know. Think what it will be like to celebrate the one who knows us. I long for the day of his return because he promised and Jesus always keeps his promises. But if if you don't know Him, if you don't know Jesus, then the second coming will not be a time of excitement and rejoicing. It will be a time of great fear and despair. In His first coming, Jesus was humble, born in a manger, born of a virgin, born into a poor and lowly family, and He came to die. In His first coming, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. In His first coming, Jesus was arrested, tried, and executed by lawless men. He died as the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But in His second coming, it will be very different. Jesus will come and He will return victorious with a sword in His hand. And He will bring judgment. And He will come to rule and reign. In His second coming, Jesus will ride into Jerusalem, not on a donkey, but on the back of a white stallion with the host of heaven's armies. In His second coming, Jesus will put the world on trial. And every eye shall see Him, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The prophecy about the person who made the promise. The prophecies are real and true. The person that the prophecies were about is real and he's alive. And his promise that he will return is real. And he keeps his promises. Jesus Christ, Lord of lords, King of kings, are you ready? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we will be ready. So many of the parables that you told, Lord Jesus, about your return, talk about this concept of being ready, that we don't know the day, we don't know the time of your return. And so you have warned us, be ready for your return. And so, Lord, I offer these words to the believers here at Blightman Baptist Church in the hopes that we will all be ready when you return. And Lord, if there are those here who do not yet believe, I pray that today will be the day of salvation. Lord, help us be ready. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.